0: Welcome to another episode of that Naturopathic Podcast. Dr. David Miller, ND here with the fantastically quaffed again, Michelle Pubega, ND. What's up?
1: Yeah, I wish people in podcast world can appreciate like a good hair day that I'm having, but I'm just it's just gonna have to be between Dave, me, and some of our viewers on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy. enjoy. Please enjoy. Um, yeah. So hmm.
0: What do you uh, want to talk to? I'm going to pretend like we don't know what we're going to talk about. What do you want to talk about today, Michelle? Dork. <laughs> I know. I am a dork.
1: Um, today. Well, what I want to talk about. No. Um, What we are going to talk about is the benefits of Omega-3s. Uh, and just a little bit, uh, just a little tidbit into, you know. Uh, f-
0: Their doppelganger
1: they're they they're they're evil they're evil step brother <laughs> the omega-6 <six.
0: laughs> it can get confusing right like um talking about omegas uh if you're a real chemist you know you can look at all the structures and you know we could talk about that but it's not it's not for us i don't that's not the nature of this podcast to talk about the structures of omegas and all that stuff but um they often get lumped together and i guess that's one thing that we're trying to sort of say we've got to be careful lumping all the omegas together right? yeah
1: they are not all created equal yeah <clears throat> so You're i think favorites <laughs> i totally play favorites i'm not yeah. even gonna pretend uh i love i love omega-9 i love from my olive oil so i get ample amounts of that because it's mainly what i use in the kitchen with coconut oil and um uh, avocado oils, uh, and ghee grass-fed organic ghee, um, are my staples. And, um, when I moved into my, my boyfriend's family home, being Filipino, they fried a lot and they don't really think about those things. His mom never thought about that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. she had one of those big, like two liter or four liter jugs of vegetable oil or canola oil under, under in the pantry. And it was like, Walking in, it was almost like I had to do the sign of the cross and hiss. I was like, "Yeah, I was like, get away from me, demon!" And we had to work to remove that and and teach her about how oils impact our health, um, and the types of oils we choose are going to have either a positive or a negative consequence on how our body is able to show up for us. So we have since eliminated that from the premises, and she is now quite thankful for those shifts.
0: Yeah, it's. Deli- I mean, it's. it's- Oh, man, everyone loves deep fried stuff, right?
1: Yeah, me too. But I use, yeah, yeah like I really do. So now when she makes lumpia, which are like Filipino uh, egg rolls, uh, yeah. she does it in coconut oil. I mean, it's still fried food. Oh, cool. So like, let's be yeah. real, but like, and it's delicious AF. But thankfully, she only makes it around Christmas and it's not around the house all year round. <laughs> you just like you eat them like candy. They're small and it's just like two bites and God, they're good.
0: So... so- so yeah, all fats are not created equal. No. All omegas are not created equal, and then you can even subdivide omega threes, which we're going to spend a lot of our our time today on. Correct. They're even sort of different as well. So, mm-hmm. um, we we sort of mm. yeah, we wanted you to talk a little bit about the um, the you know the dark the darker side, the omega sixes, the canola oil, and and all that, and sort of do you want to give us a bit? Is it? yeah give us a bit of a breakdown of of what you found with regards i know mean, you've given us the story of deep fried what are, what are those filipino things lumpia i want some uh, yeah um, we should but get i don't want some. too many
1: it's hard um, not to eat too many like I, i'm telling I, you they're like small they're like anyways i could talk yeah. about lumpia all day <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but canola oil has yeah. a sort of funny history uh that you sort of looked into a little bit <coughs> being a high in omega 6 uh, fatty acid. What do you, what do you know about canola now?
1: Okay, well first of all, I mean it's part of the vegetable oils in general tend to be higher in omega 6s. So when we're looking at these yeah. types of more vegetable-based oils we were all told years ago that they were heart healthy and heart protective and It's not entirely false, like omega-6s can have some benefits for cholesterol and heart health, et cetera, but we just, it's just the vast amount that, that, and the balance of that compared to things that would reduce inflammation that are going to cause a problem because omega-6 does, does trigger an inflammatory response or supports our natural inflammation in our body. Um, and we need inflammation, you know, Dave and I have talked about this in the past, um, But uh, when we don't have enough things to offset the effects of the inflammatory reaction that these will begin to perpetuate, that's when these things become a problem. And they are high, like seed oils and vegetable oils like canola, vegetable oil, soybean oil, corn oil, um, they are extremely high in omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids or PUFAs. Um, And a diet that is high in these can cause more systemic inflammation, which can be which is a like inflammation is a really underlying force amongst a lot of modern chronic degenerative diseases that we see in in North America, as well as even more and more globally. So things like your heart disease, your diabetes, et cetera. So um i was looking into a little bit more of of the canola oil and i and i have come across some information about how how it's made and you know there's like some articles about the inconvenient truth that talk about How There's so much genetic engineering behind it and that they've genetically engineered the bacteria to be more resistant to toxic herbicide glyphosate. So then you have to think about maybe the chemical residues like pesticides, herbicides, and if it's genetically modified. Um, some people are arguing that, um, you need to use hexane to kind of with part of the extraction process, the purification process and hexane is like this toxic chemical. So are there residues in there? And then there's also heat used as part of the canola oil. And does that change some of the omega-3s to trans fats? And I've heard a lot of stuff about this from the wellness world, especially in the last several years, you see a lot of this, And I want, you know, I didn't want to just jump on the bandwagon, although I don't really trust that industry. A lot of these, a lot of these seed oils, a lot of people say that they are mostly coming from government subsidized crops, which makes them very cheap and plentiful. And then often like monocropped, sprayed heavily, et cetera. So you have to think kind of along those lines about, um, you know, the origin of things. Now I did come across, which kind of makes me laugh, this article that said, fact check canola oil has several health benefits and isn't toxic, an expert says. And this was published in March of 2022. And I've I've got to be real. Um, whenever I see something that says fact check now, I kind of take it with a grain of salt after the last few years because <laughs> I've kind of lost faith in that whole term now. And it does try to debunk a few things. Um, But the sources are like the FDA and frankly, the FDA has also let a lot of chemicals slide and just accepted them. And maybe because of lobbyists or investments, I have no idea why, but there's been a lot of things where the FDA has dropped the ball and then 10 to 20 years later has had to been like, oh, we're pulling it out now, now that we know. So sometimes we don't always know the full consequence of stuff until like 20 years later. Um, So, but this article was trying to debunk the stuff that the amount of hexane in there isn't as bad, that it still has omega threes and it's heart healthy and whatever. But what I found funny about this is that it didn't actually talk about the omega three to omega six ratio. So it's almost like it left, it left the omega six out of this quote unquote fact check article. And it left, it just kind of left that tidbit out of information. And I was like, it just feels like a lie by omission by not putting that in there. You can just start to make claims that it's healthy in some way where the real prominent, Fats in there is omega six, the more pro-inflammatory fat. So I found that made me lose a little bit of confidence in this in this write up. I mean, and everyone has some kind of bias, um, sometimes with what they put out there. And I did I didn't want to get caught up in my own bias about this. But whether whether the hexane is a problem, whether the monocropping, genetically modified, pesticide-laden effects on the crops uh, has permeable or residual effects in the oil that you consume after regardless of all of that and whether any of that is fact or false it's still super high in (laughs) omega-6 and I feel like that is really the big take-home message because like I was ready to be to come in and be like canola oil is terrible because it's toxic poison and it's got chemical residues and this and that and at the end of the day when I was doing my research like nothing I wasn't able to unequivocally be like yes, these are problems at the levels that they're at or not. So um, at the end of the day, the omega-6 is still a concern to me, period. Yeah.
0: I I think it's, it reminds me when I I heard of someone, they wanted to eat um, lots of maple syrup because it had manganese in it. Yeah. It's like, okay, like, hold on a sec. Like, sure. It's got manganese in it, but if you're going to get, you're going to use maple syrup as your source of a, of manganese, you're going to get a lot of other stuff with it too. Um, yeah. Like insulin resistance and a whole bunch of other crap like that. So I think it's important that you brought it up that the ratio and then we'll, and, you know, we'll, we'll circle back to that. The ratio is really cute here when it comes to three and sixes. So, yeah. And it's, and, you know, and, and the origins, you talked about the yeah. origins too. Let's, I just want to quick, sort cause there's, you know, and some of the, I, I focused more on the omega threes with, with our, yeah. our work here. And, and it was really interesting that, Omega-3s, even like if we say the most common source being fish, fish oils, uh, it matters where the fish oils are from. Like yeah. if you get fish oils the, and there's lots of research to show this, this is not like some whack naturopathic uh, idea, you know, cause mm-hmm. there are those out there. I'm going to admit it, but um, a lot of times we're more right than wrong with some of these ideas. And there's a lot of research to show that PCBs and all these uh, toxins uh like uh yeah, PCBs, persistent organic pollutants, um, there's substantial contamination with uh cultured fish, uh fish farms, yeah. Um, compared to wild caught.
1: <laughs> That's just it too, right? Like it, it really is is where it comes from. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention though about canola oil is that it's made from the seed of a plant called rape. So sometimes it's called rapeseed oil as well. So just FYI if if because I think the food industry is starting to realize that we're catching on about the benefit uh, the the consequences of canola oil. So they're trying to change it back to rapeseed oil. So I find food labeling can be very tricky that way. And um, a little bit, um, they're a little bit sneaky. Um, But since the industrial revolution, rapeseed oil was an important component of lubricants for ships and steam engines. (laughs) It wasn't originally for human consumption, but um, once, you know, World War II was over, The Canadian rapeseed industry um, had this gap now of what to do with their stuff. So, and the demand for it dropped. And I guess that's when there started to be, they started to play around with it, invent something new from that. And they gave it a different name um, after they started to manipulate the oil. Uh, But apparently that's part of the origin story of canola oil too, which is, you know, I mean, fish oil comes from fish. We eat fish. But something that was originally made for motor oil, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know if I really love the idea of, or industrial oil, if I really love the idea of consuming that. I don't know. Call me crazy. Yeah. It doesn't sit well with me.
0: And <laughs> seed oils, I mean, seed oils just don't sit well um, when it comes to dealing with chronic disease of the Western world, which, you know, regardless of our origins of canola oil, we know these, the rest of the seed oils, I mean, really plant seed oils are just not um, what you want to have more of in comparison to omega threes.
1: So again, the ratio. That's just it. And like, we, we, the, the, there was, this idea that consuming these would reduce our overall risk of heart disease. And then a lot of people ended up switching out butter and meat and tallow and lard for vegetable oils and corn and soybean and sunflower and safflower and all these things that are high in omega-6 fatty acids. And there are some studies to show that these omega-6s can be cardioprotective and have some stuff. But I think because uh, I, I, hold on. I just, but, but I feel like since that happened, the world hasn't necessarily gotten more healthy. And I'm not saying this alone is the is the is the cause, but it's a contributing factor. Considering that these drive, well, you mean the Western the,
0: world? You mean right? The, in the Western, Western world, we've con- world? Yeah.
1: our our metabolic health continues to decline. Obesity continues to increase. Cardiovascular issues did not get any better. Diabetes did not get better, in spite of those particular claims about vegetable oil being heart healthy and margarine coming in and yeah. all the swaps everybody everybody made our society continued to get more sick. So you have to actually stop and being like, okay, well, were we wrong? And if we look at human history, historically, we consumed more omega threes than omega sixes than we currently do. And a lot of wild foods like fish and like wild game and wild plants were naturally higher in omega threes. And now most of us don't eat a lot of wild game. We're eating more industrialized raised animal and industrially monocropped vegetation and that's been genetically modified. So it it doesn't look the way historically and ancestrally we ate. So now the the balance is completely shifted. And now we've also incorporated on top of eating less of those natural sources of omega-3s, we've also added in more of these inflammatory seed oils Um, if you look at like you go and buy anything that's pre-made, they're not using olive oil. They're using vegetable oil. Most restaurants are not using olive oil to cook with. They're using, so if you're eating out and Uber Eatsing and all this thing, like your exposure to that is much higher. In addition to just anything else that drives inflammation, like, you know, processed foods and, and, uh, refined sugars and refined carbs and, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's a, there's a particular reason why I think, I can't just say it's the seed oils that made our country and our society worse, but it's a really big contributing factor, and I feel like we need to be honest about that.
0: Well, both sides of the equation of the ratio are off. Yeah. So the the throughout the evolutionary mm-hmm. history, we had a, approximately a ratio of omega six to three or three to six because it doesn't matter what I say in this case because it was one to one, right? Um, and now we've we've changed from uh, from that sort of one to one. Like- by by lessening the omega 3s and increasing the seed oils heavy omega 6 to yep. the point that we are 15 pro- approximately 15 times uh in terms of omega 6 to omega 3 so 15 to 20 to 1 is some of the research um yep. I saw which is that's crazy and then that's when a we big talk difference. about yeah and so like 15 fold that's that's massive i would imagine yeah. there'd be effects at you know 3 or 4 fold but exactly but with with the main i would say one of the main uh core physiological processes there's more because if if you wanted to we could do a whole po- podcast series i i told michelle before so we could do we could do a podcast on basically omega fatty acids because mm-hmm. it's such a massive massive uh there's so much information yeah now but what what you'd find at the core of of your first level of understanding of of what the benefits are of omega-3 fatty acids in particular would you you'd find that inflammation and modulation of inflammation and helping the resolution of inflammation is possibly one of the most important uh attributes that the omega-3 fatty acids epa and dha has yeah and then you know what do you see michelle most days in in clinic probably i'm i mean i don't know if you're like Seems very similar I'd imagine to me but I'm seeing a lot of inflamed people and Uh, inflammation as a core piece of the the chronic disease picture of at least I don't know two-thirds at minimum of the people I see so we've got a way here to modulate uh inflammation
1: I would I would agree Regardless of like, if your ESR or your CRP are wildly elevated, like I don't, you know. Yeah, I would agree. There's a really significant amount of the population that I think has a, like a low grade level of chronic, whether it's low or a variable levels of inflammation, but it's this just sleeping, this like this lurking beast in the background. That's kind of like the driving force for a lot of things falling apart. Absolutely. A hundred percent.
0: And and the biggest areas of research that you'll see for um benefit of omega-3. Well, let's let's maybe we should say this, you know, just be sort of give it away. Mm-hmm. The benefit of higher omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. The main things you'll see a lot of research in would be cancer, like I said, all the inflammatory diseases, autoimmune disease, brain function, and cardiovascular disease, with cardiovascular disease being the most highly researched yeah. uh, thing of, of all these things. but but, like I said, when you understand the, well, there's other things that fish oils are doing, too, but I'll say the I'd say the core of them would be the anti-inflammatory I think, or inflammation I think from, resolving. I think from
1: a from a larger cohort of studies, those are the areas that it's probably been studied in more readily. But there is information to show its effects on, like, mood or different kinds of female health disorders or like it, it it plays a role in a lot of stuff like it's also just a really important part of like cellular membrane which means that's every key. single cell that in was your the body other,
0: yes 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 that was right? the other part beyond inflammation i was gonna say that's the other major thing we know mitochondrial membrane yeah. and cellular membrane
1: which is like everything it's everything <laughs> yeah pretty much it's, <laughs> the, it's not even an understatement to say that that's literally everything yeah so Uh, it, it is extremely important. And if your cell membrane has the wrong types of fats, then it can affect the fluidity of the membrane, the ability to communicate, the ability to pull in nutrients and remove waste product. That is a very big deal. Communicating with other cells, you know, like your cell membrane is basically a really big dictating forces to the health of the cell as a whole.
0: Well, then you're going to affect, uh, membrane bound enzymes ion channels receptor activity neurotransmitter binding that's why like you're saying you said there's some there's some mood and some other yeah um, other issues it's not just inflammation based it's it's cellular communication and mm. let's say inefficiency of communication between cells and, and and tissues it's massively important i i don't know if i can find a situation in which i would think other than like a vegan who doesn't want to eat fish oil. I, d- I don't know if I can find too many uh, reasons to not take it. I d- I just thought I, Michelle, I just want to give a little bit of like background about fish oil. I'm going to give a special mention yeah, to fish oils here. And um, it, it this is a lot of this is from the textbook Natural Medicine, uh, uh, Presorno and Murray. And talking about um fish oils, there was lots about it because, of course, there's so much research. But they said the first initial scientific evidence of fish oils' benefits first appeared in the late 70s. So it's not some. It's not like um, you it's know, it's not a fad, no. And and also, it's not it's not the oldest, say, eh? is it's not like uh, iron or you know, we knew iron right. was important a long time ago. This is a little a little bit later, um, but that's
1: still 50 years of of. Of clinical and you know of research
0: yeah and and uh so it, yeah it's, it's not new and hence hence the body of evidence but it's it's uh it was a little harder to figure out that i guess some you know thiamine and you know some of the other uh, vitamins and, and minerals mm-hmm. but um mega three fatty acid deficiency wasn't even reported until uh the late 80s mm-hmm. so we did we, we didn't even have a case of of you know is there such thing as a deficiency of this? Mm-hmm. We, knew, we knew they were good because they did some studies in Greenland, uh, Northern Europe. There was some studies in Italy where they started to find okay, consumption of fish seems to seems to have some protective cardiovascular benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's interesting. Fish oils, you know, they they don't just target one specific thing. They of course they they adjust uh, systemic inflammation. Um, but they just improve overall physio- physiological function and well-being for those specific reasons we've talked about. They're not just like a take this for that. They're kind of uh, almost too good to be true tonic, right mm-hmm. um, And then um, just some of the some of the other things uh, we' we've seen uh, fish oil be tested in includes you know rheumatoid arthritis, menstrual cramps, uh, decreasing inflammation uh, in in autoimmune disease. Uh, risk of premature delivery and pregnancy low birth weights bipolar manic depressive disorder uh, mild moderate depression renal systemic lupus uh, systemic lupus erythematosus IgA nephropathy chronic fatigue irritable bowel disease kidney stones cystic fibrosis fibrosis psoriasis cancer like big list uh, it is a big list and it's those and those are a lot of those you know you look at those you might go some of those are hard to treat um but as a it, you know as a as a a tool in your in your kit fish oils or omega three you know maybe from algae source now because like you can you can get it um from algae source now yeah what a tool to have um in our in our bag of tools
1: <laughs> yeah no it's pretty it's pretty incredible um and i feel like i i use it but <sighs> It's more part of my maintenance protocols for a lot of people because working on gut health, I find gastrointestinal health is the source of a lot of why inflammation, where it comes in from and how it permeates. So sometimes for a lot of people, it's a matter of just reducing their intake of inflammatory foods first and addressing the liver and the gallbladder or the microbiome or the stomach acid or the stress or the lack of sleep. And then you got to prioritize things. And because I don't want them on something that's just maintenance plan when I have all these like bigger, bigger protocols to do. So I find the omega-3s come in more on like, a, here's a maintenance protocol. And I think there's been some research on omega-3s and in, in the gut microbiome, I believe too. I, I feel like I remember reading. I remember. I think I've been to a couple webinars where they've actually highlighted that, but I can't remember the details. Um. So, but 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 it's it's not always at the forefront at the onset of my protocols because people are coming to me with such aggressive digestive issues that that takes precedence. But for a maintenance protocol, an omega three easy. Just like in the past, we talked about magnesium is an easy one. I feel like an omega three is a really good easy sell for for people to uh readjust the terrain from a from an inflammatory perspective to make it their body less vulnerable moving forward
0: yeah fish fish oils and omega-3s are so important that i think they've changed the research on inflammation to the point that we didn't really learn about um inflammation i don't think as precisely it was sort of like on or off that we learned and it turns out there's more like a three-step initiation development and resolution and the key the key of those steps in terms of where the, the um, fish oils come in is the um, is the resolution stage. And that's why they're not as like, you know, you don't take fish oils in the next day or within an hour. Like, it's not like taking an Advil. Right. It, and and so they're less. Um, yeah. They're not, you know, they don't
1: have an immediate effect. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like not like, oh, wow, I woke up the uh, next day. I felt amazing. You know, no, you kind of have to <laughs> take them for a Can, while.
1: I don't know what that voice was, but we need it back. <laughs> It's, kind it's like you're yeah. from new jersey or something <laughs> <laughs> so
0: so EPA and DHA which are the omega 3 um you know some subgroups uh of omega 3 they have these resolvins, maresins and protectins with DHA leading to maresins i'm probably pronouncing it differently than someone from new jersey maresins protectins resolvins and EPA leading to resolvins um all what these are are uh um
1: just think like of the specialized. Word. What's Re- that? word like resolvin, It has the word resolve in it. Protected. It has the word protected. I was like, these are such beautiful ways to describe a nutraceutical. <laughs> they
0: are. They, and and they're they're all grouped under SPMs, which is specialized pro-resolving mediators. Excellent. Well, wow, there you Love go. <laughs> For all the nerds.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they, they they help the slow. They help the uh, closing down of the inflammation. And and what was important, I think what you were saying there, I'm going to relate it to that with like, say you have a gut issue that's, say you have um, some microbial stressor that's releasing lipopolysaccharide or something like that's just pro-inflammatory. Yeah. They're not going to stop that. No. Right? So you still have to, this is when practice becomes difficult. It's not as easy as, oh, take some fish oils and there you go. All your inflammation's gone. You're still mm-hmm. going to have to stop whatever's, maybe propagating initiating right inflammation but these will help shut it down the the inflammatory process because it kind of wants to it's like a root fire you know it? it, you know inflammation can get like a root fire you don't really see it and it just sort of keeps going and you got to be scared you got to be worried about that in in a sense um if you don't have things to resolve it
1: or protect (laughs) <laughs> I don't know yeah. where
0: Marisons comes from, but yeah, resolvents and protectins. Whoever named those. Great thank words. You. Good yeah, job.
1: Wordsmith Word 101. <laughs> really make it comprehensive. Um, no, I think uh y- you're right. Like in in when someone has chronic inflammation, we want to put out the inflammation, but we also have to get rid of what's causing the inflammation. So the like just to you know reiterate what you were saying, it's not a matter of this being your your excuse to continue to treat your body like trash just because you take yeah. omega-3s. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, if you really want to get the resolution and the results that you want, then you still have to make some choices. But then this will help also just offset the day-to-day inflammation that we are constantly triggered by. And because, you know, it's not like you're, you, you're going to come across some omega-3s, omega-6s. Maybe you are going to eat some chips. Maybe you are going to go have some pizza and you are going to go chips. eat out and, and all this stuff. So, so, you know, if you can't live like this squeaky clean life, which is kind of hard to do in today's society, then having an omega-3 might be a very helpful way. Omega-3 supplement, whether it's fish oils or algae oil for the vegans and the vegetarians and whatever it is to kind of help offset some of the abundance of pro-inflammatory things that just are so abundant in modern day living. I feel like that's a good, it's just a, just a good thing.
0: It is a good thing. I want to give one more special mention too, because we all, we know about the cardiovascular risks and and everything that are mitigated by um, changing that ratio of omega-3 to 6. Um, Was cancer, carcinogenesis, this was interesting. uh, I I don't know, I probably knew this a while ago and forgot, but uh, PUFAs, polyunsaturated Mm -hmm. fatty acids, can impact all stages, all four stages. So initiation, promotion, progression, and metastasis of carcinogenesis. I think that's crazy cool that, the, that at every single step of cancer that is well understood in research for a long time, there is a place for um, omega threes in particular having a mitigating or dampening effect on all of those processes of carcinogenesis. So with like how many people are in our world are getting, can- is it, it used to be one in three, is it one in two were expected to get cancer? I don't know. It's, it's really, really high, you know, so it it maybe it's just the relationship to inflammation again is the broad sort of link, but there are specific like I can, I don't know I can tell you about them. there's regulation of uh, reactive oxygen species, so mm-hmm. that helps uh, with dampening the initiation. Mm-hmm. It increases mitochondrial membrane potential again, uh, uh, dampening the initiation phase. With pr- promotion, it inhibits uh, cancer growth and proliferation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omega threes will also help with stage three of cancer progression. They inhibit neovascularization, so m- making of new naughty blood vessels to supply the tumors, and then also helping with metastasis. Um, it <clears throat> it is inhibited by inducing apoptosis and pyrolysis uh, by the caspase uh, pathway. So every stage of cancer can be uh, affected favorably omega 3s. I thought awesome. that was a good specific sort of uh shout out to I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like fish oils. I think more patients of like mine are going to get more fish oils.
1: I mean, I think in a perfect, you know, everyone's always like I would like to come and work on stuff through diet alone. And I was like in a perfect world, our diet would sustain us. But unfortunately, there are too many outside there's too many new stressors in modern day society that sometimes we have to take a supplement to be able to offset the consequences of those things and then also because of a agricultural revolution we have genetically modified things we have we have like uh, more chemical residues on things we have, like, there's just so many different things that are kind of compounding and causing a bit of a burden that sometimes we need to do something in a supplemental form to not just get us back on track, but also maintain stuff. Right. So, I mean, in a perfect world, I would just eat fish. In a perfect world, I would just eat grass-fed, grass-finished beef and wild game and forage in the forest and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but we don't live in a perfect world. And now, like, we have to be concerned about heavy metal accumulation in fish and toxins in this. And there's the whole debate about grass-fed versus grain-fed industrialized cattle. And I wanted to look into this um because I uh I did I did remember hearing on like certain podcasts where they were starting to um Take away some of the myths that basically demonized animal fats. And getting kind of debunking some of those things, and there there was a few where they were saying that grass fed cattle has really good omega three content compared to grain fed, and I was like, oh, that's interesting because I never would have I never would have thought of beef as a source of omega threes. Mm-hmm. I always just think fish, right? Yeah. Um. So I actually did, you know, Mark. I think in a Mark Hyman article, it said seven times greater than grain fed industrial industrially. Raised cattle that grass fed cattle had uh, omega 3s. I think another article said five times more, but I did find something on PubMed and it said 100 gram beef meat, beef meat mm-hmm. from grass fed cattle contains 2,773 milligrams less total saturated fats than that from the same amount of grain fed beef. So from 100 mm. grams to 100 grams, it has far less saturated fats in grass fed cattle. It also showed a more favorable saturated fat lipid profile containing less cholesterol-raising fatty acids of the C12 to the C16 carbon link ratios, but contained a lesser amount of the cholesterol-lowering C18, apparently, uh, than in grain-fed. But in terms of essential fatty acids, so this brings us now to the omega-3s, it said grass-fed beef showed greater levels of, uh, omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty fatty acids. So the EPAs, the DHAs, then grain grain fed beef. So this is now in a PubMed article from 2022. So it's still relatively recent that does confirm that. Now it doesn't give me that it was seven times more or five times more, but it does show that saturated fat in general is far less than grain fed. Um, and then you're having more of those omega-3s in there as well. So if you can have the option
0: from grass a financial fed.
1: standpoint to go grass fed, but also grass finished. Cause apparently there's again, with food labeling, they get real tricky these days. And I feel like you're always having to like be two steps ahead of what is deemed okay as food labeling. Um, but if you can make friends with a local farmer and understand how they raise their cattle, how they raise their livestock, if you are open to eating animal products, then you do want to look out for those kinds of things. Or yeah. like wild caught fish versus farmed, all that kind of stuff. So in a perfect world, we would be able to do this. But unfortunately, financially, uh, accessibility, you know, it doesn't always make it easy. So uh-huh. so supplementation can be helpful. Um,
0: uh, yeah. And and speaking of supplementation, um, it looks like, the, although there's like not a, a 100% consensus on everything in terms of r- recommendations, it looks like... <clears throat> About one gram of EPA, DHA combined is sort of what may be a good Mm -hmm. um, basic sort of adjunct to whatever else you're doing, meaning you don't have any specific condition for which you're trying to take um, lots and lots or higher doses. Um, But for some, say you have cardiovascular disease risk or, you know, maybe some other conditions, uh, brain neurological, I mean, this is where it gets hard because I'm like, well, maybe everyone could use more because there's so many people have uh, tissues and cells that need more of this ratio to be increased. But anyway, uh, if you, if you have, uh, some sort of risk factors or conditions, you're trying to treat maybe up to three or four grams per day of combined EPA DHA. And I would say, I don't know what, what you're using in clinic. I would say that's probably going to be close to three or four, uh, capsules.
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends on the concentration of the capsule. Um, for me, I'm looking at that, but I'm also looking at the ratios of EPA to DHA within the omega-3, depending on what I'm trying to target. But typically I'm looking for something that has a higher higher balance of the EPA to DHA. So like a two to one ratio-ish, right? And that's kind of more of what I'm looking for is trying to hit like at least a minimum of 700 EPA, four to 500 DHA daily, I find is usually decent maintenance. And then for different conditions, I might double or triple that based on case by case scenario. So I feel like that's that that's, that's kind of the hit. And it's just so funny how people can like people, you know, we get pregnant and people women have to take omega threes because, uh, the neurological development that's happening. But then it's like we just kind of be like, ah, oh, then when you're not being pregnant, you're just kind of like, I don't care anymore. And it's so like, why is it, like I get that your body's doing a lot more in that time frame, but it's still beneficial to continue taking after, which is like, why do you well, still baby, deserve it? Baby brain and all this stuff is happening, right? So it's just it's just so funny that uh, or or we'll give omega threes to our kids, but as adults, they don't take it. And it's like, well you have more probably inflammatory burden on your body. You should probably be taking more. It's just so funny how our brains work and how we Which justify things in certain situations and not in others.
0: Which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, the needs are more, but they don't go away. My no. God, you should take care of yourself. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I found this in the research and I, I have seen this on my, uh, my life labs. Um, uh, the option to do the, I think it's the omega-3 uh, fatty acid content in, in the erythrocytes. Have you ever, Ooh, have you ever looked at that?
1: Not, I've never run that test. And I think I've completely forgot. Yeah. Completely fallen off my radar.
0: Well, now I'm wondering if I, if I should, because I, I looked into some research on the omega-3 index and the sum, it's the sum of EPA and DHA expressed as a percentage of total fatty acid content in your red blood cell membranes. Um, and it's shown to be inversely associated with the risk for, fatal and non-fatal cardiac events. I wouldn't be surprised if it's it just cardiovascular disease just seems to be the first that that's, it started like that. I mean, so it's continued to be like, let's first look at cardiovascular disease risk, right. which probably isn't a bad thing because half the world is going to have it. So um, it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying you could probably extrapolate uh, cautiously to other conditions that the omega-3 index might be um, indicative of just better cellular, like you said, cell membrane function. Well, if your cell membranes are better communication between cells is better and everything will be better in terms of like anything that depends on a cell membrane, which is a lot,
1: which is everything. Yeah. Literally, literally <laughs> everything.
0: So, so yeah, Omega three index is some of EPA uh, as a percentage of total fatty acid. That's something that I might start looking at. Um, my labs are getting expensive now. I now I'm looking at all the, all the cool stuff you can do with labs, but uh yeah there's some the
1: more we do this podcast the more you just keep tacking on labs because we start to talk about things that we're like but oh we true. forgot <laughs> about this this is really important i should start and i just feel like our poor our poor client base is just going to be like god they need to stop recording that podcast because every time they record a new podcast they add a lab
0: <laughs> it's true it's true but it's you know we're, we're we have we're not flippantly doing it either you know i just no, we have um, good
1: intentions, obviously.
0: What did I do? Ju- I just, I just started doing a little bit more um, homocysteine, and it's like mm. sixty-five bucks or something. Yeah, that on one, its own. that
1: one's a little bit. That's got a little bit more of a price tag.
0: But I, you know, I, 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 had suspicions for a patient last week, and I, I, and I did RBC, No, I did serum folate, and I don't always do serum folate because, again, I've seen so many people with normal numbers that they need. But both were, both were uh, problematic for him: homocysteine and serum folate. And so it's, it's actually turned into you know, a very important, uh, part of our, our, uh, our treatment regimen now because they tested it.
1: Right. But you were also suspicious. So it's not like you were just flippant. about but be like, everybody gets a homocysteine test and everyone for <laughs> $60. Like, you, you know, you're using critical thinking when it comes to your lab choices. Like I am, I mean, but I might,
0: of... I might start adding omega-3 fatty acids.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know what though? Like, that might Maybe that's something that I do once I feel like I've gotten to the point where their digestive health is much better and they're probably able to absorb their omega-3s more effectively, maybe start supplementing yeah. and then check the results to see if any, I don't know, like, do we do it as baseline? Do we do it late? Because if your digestion's messed up and like me with people who have poor gallbladder function and poor fat, digestion like what's the chances that they're actually really absorbing their omega-3s and fatty acids right so that's also the question that i always have on the docket too is like i could give you the supplement but we already know your gallbladder is like not working in your favor so let's work on that first and then uh we'll get in there with those omega-3s so i don't know
0: exact amount
1: yeah wait
0: okay so you feel you feel confident with uh, the
1: i feel great do you feel good
0: yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about what we chatted about today. And uh I'm ready to uh to sign off. But 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 for those who can't see, um Michelle, your hair got even better.
1: Thank you, Dish. Yeah. Just a little with, close up for the YouTubers.
0: <laughs> and with that, um, I think I'm I'm ready to sign off on on our talk with uh omega 3 and omega 6 fatty acids.
1: Thanks everyone.